Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. Sorry, I was nearly late, you know. I went, <gasps> yeah, I went for a takeaway and I bumped into Whitney and Kush. Ah! Gave this one five stars. Apparently, a proposal happened. That's how good this one was. So you never know, I might find myself a man. Emma? Well, I'm just a bun eagerly awaiting Keegan's footlong. Oh, uh. Connor! <laughs> Looks like me and Emma are both having takeaways tonight. <laughs> so what we got coming up this week, Emma? <laughs> this week we have your usual roundup, your hero and slapping Jen. We have the return of favourite scene <gasps> and we introduce you to a brand new segment called Observation Corner. Corner. But first, here's the jingle. Dun, 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 dun. You ain't my mother! Yes, I am! But my boy, surely, me. Mr. Butcher. 57 was my nan. 57 was everyone else. One minute we'll be looking at each other. The next, rubbing each other's clothes off. Mother always said I could be a star. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night. So, Kush has decided, before prison... He's gonna marry Whitney. Do you think they'll have takeaways as like their wedding buffet? <laughs> I was literally thinking, who's gonna care the wedding? Is it gonna be Ian Beale's fish and chip shop or is it gonna be Keegan's sandwiches? This is the stuff that we need to know. <laughs> my my favourite bit about this whole thing is when Wit's like, you know, moping around the kitchen and she goes, can't believe court has come round so quick. And I was just thinking, yeah, time really does fly when you've committed crimes. <laughs> you know when they were sat there at the kitchen, right? Yeah. And Kush is like, I need you to be ready tonight. We're going to do yeah, something. Keep, keep your evening free. Keep your evening free. I was like, they're going to have a takeaway. That's what I thought I wrote. He's planning to get her favourite takeaway. Special occasion for her. Since, you know, he's going to jail. Like, you know, got to have a... I don't know, what, what do you think her favourite takeaway is? Let's, let's think. What do you think is her favourite takeaway? I think she likes a pizza. Oh, yeah. How do you think she likes a pizza in the morning? Oh, I mean, I haven't thought about that, actually. I don't think she's a pineapple on pizza kind of girl. No, I don't see that either. And that's why I like it, because I, I think, think she would be like that. I think maybe she'll like some pepperoni. Maybe, yeah, yeah. She like the meats. She like the big meat feasts. <laughs> I think she would. Do you think she'd order like meteor or like you know meat feasts from like Domino's and stuff like that? Like that's what yeah, she'd get. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Then that brings up another question: Do you think she's a Domino's girl or a Pizza Hut girl? Oh, uh, Domino's. Do you think Domino's? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're one of your locals. Or maybe she just likes a good old one from you know like you make your owns from the supermarket. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe she does it. Maybe she stretches out a bit and, uh, you know, spends a little on a Pizza Express. Maybe she's just a Pizza Express, Emma. I mean, that's fine dining right there for you. That's <laughs> fine dining right there for you, isn't it? Well, anyway, it looks like takeaway is not on the menu tonight because he's going to be taking her out. <gasps> you mean you're just going to sit down and have food? <gasps> I don't know how to take this, Emma. Um, okay, so they might, they might go into a restaurant and not take it away. 
maybe they took talking bags. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope and pray. I don't know that Whitney can even digest food that's not takeaway. <laughs> like, she might be like, sorry, I can't do this in one, one sitting. Can't do this in one sitting because we're going to have to take this all the way, take the whole table away. She just takes, like, the tablecloth and wraps it up around all the, the plates. <laughs> <laughs> Slings it over her back. She's like, there we go, see? Hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> <laughs> when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. <laughs> she just walks out like that. <laughs> Well, because she's got something extravagant planned, hasn't he, Emma? Something unbelievable. Something we couldn't have seen coming. <laughs> Not even for, you know, a psychic they wouldn't have... Denny Kura wouldn't have known that this was coming. Oh, that's right. We all knew it was coming. Because in his infinite, infinite wisdom has decided he's going to propose to her and then also get married right before he goes to jail. What could go wrong? I did like what when he was wrong? thinking of proposing. I was like... Haven't you already done that part? They've already done it. Like, <laughs> Whitney proposed to you sort of thing. Like, I mean, I still wanted that, like, onion ring moment. <laughs> I still really wanted to go, gosh. You know, Scott Burger King, she's like, will you do me the honour and be my lawfully wedded takeaway husband? <laughs> and then just puts the onion ring on his finger. <laughs> in takeaways and in health. <laughs> <laughs> And takeaways and sitting down. <laughs> well, Kush is very excited. He's got Martin on the phone. He's planning confetti. And uh, he comes around to see Martin, get some advice. Because, you know, when you're doing a speedy and full wedding, you go to the leading expert, really, don't you? Because Martin's no stranger to a speedy and full wedding since he got married to his latest wife in France randomly without telling his kids his ex-wife, any of those things. Yeah. Interesting, this part, isn't it? Yeah, it leads, yeah. It leads back to something I remember saying very early on when it happened. That Martin says that Kush can't just get married that quickly and out of the blue because, well, you need to be interviewed by the registrar and other stuff, um, which means they didn't do that. So exactly. They're not legally married then, are they? I'm, I'm of that opinion, Emma. I think we cracked it all those months ago when we said it's too speedy for them to have gone away for Saturday and Sunday and come back married. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. You, there's not, that's not enough time. They never even, like, signed a registry over here. Like, no, it's not legally we've done over in France. Because they didn't know they were going to do it. Exactly. So I loved it. But I also loved that Martin, the total hypocrite that he is, has a go at Kush for having this quick wedding. He said, do you really think this is the right thing to do? Well, Martin, well, should you really be talking? <laughs> like, did you even give anything a second thought? You've moved in with someone, started working for them, and married them within a space of, like, three months. And you didn't tell your kids, are you? Exactly. Yeah, ex-wife, but, I mean, we've never saw that divorce, so wife. Exactly. We never saw that divorce finalised. I highly doubt that Stacey would not have took him to the cleaners because I know if he was my deadbeat dad who wasn't paying maintenance, I would be getting my divorce settlement. That's for sure. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Martin, I'm going to take you for every penny you've got, love. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Kush actually calls Martin out on his hypocrisy and he's just like, hmm, didn't you run away to France and get married over the weekend? Yes, he did, Kush. Well done. Yep. But again, two wrongs don't make a right, Kush. 
You shouldn't then go, well, he did it, so I'm going to do it too. (laughs) Then Martin says the immortal words. It won't be legal and it won't be, like, finalised, but you can do your vows at the club. So that, again, shows to me that all Martin and Ruby have done is their vows. You know, Martin's underestimating the, the, the reason behind the legislation and law that binds marriage as well. It's to make sure that the person who's widowed isn't left without anything. Martin's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It won't be legal or anything. You definitely, She'll be out with a flipping. She'll have not a pot to pee in. That's what she'll have. Not a pot to pee in, but she'll be fine. She'll be happy that she got unofficially married here. No, she wouldn't. What woman dreams of an unofficial wedding? Like, what person? What person goes, when I was a child, all I ever wanted was to be unofficially married to my husband, who then goes to jail for years. That's all I've ever wanted. (laughs) No one said that. I'm sorry. No one said that. Like, you might not have, but I have. (laughs) Is that your dream? (laughs) It's my dream. Your head is your first. (laughs) 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 Well... Martin might not be on board totally, but he's willing to do this unofficial wedding. I mean, and anyway, it's not like Kusha's going away for years, is it? Oh, Martin. <laughs> you don't know the full story. I also found it interesting. He didn't ask for Ruby's, like, permission, permission. in a her club. But yeah. also, she wasn't even invited to the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I think he knows that Kusha and Ruby don't quite get on. <laughs> Isn't that awkward though? Like, yeah. I would be devastated if, like, you and Ross, like, my partner, didn't get on. Uh-huh. Like, why is Martin so okay with that? Like, why is he like, well, clearly it's just something that's just got to be. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> also, I think if, like, my friend had such a problem with, like, the person I was with, I'd be like, maybe I should look at this situation. Uh-huh. Maybe I should look at this situation and, and ask myself why. He's known Kush all that time and he's never thought Kush. Is, is probably telling the truth for, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh. I love the thought of him just going out to meet Cush in secret. Like, yeah. Ruby's like, where are you going? And he's like, to the club. And he's really, he's going for coffee with Cush. Imagine like all of our Costa catch-ups was just that. Like me going, <laughs> I've just got to go out for get some milk. And then he's like, where are you going? <laughs> I'm joking, guys. Ross loves Emma, by the way. <laughs> This is all just a joke. <laughs> this is like analyse my every movement. I love that we had to do a disclaimer there. I know, just a little disclaimer. <laughs> we get on really well. We, we do. all go for, for, for breakfast and stuff. Oh, we do. Oh, can't wait till we can do that oh, again. Oh, it's going to be so good. Can't wait. Well, I've had my vaccine. Emma's had her vaccine. I'm on my Ross second one. There you yeah. go. My second one's in June or July. I'm not sure. Mine's wanna... on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Oh, how exciting. I know. Anyway, Kosha talks to Gray and Gray points out that actually it's not going to be months like Martin thinks. It's going to be years, especially since Kush made that deal with the Mitchells that he'll get loads of money if he, you know, takes the rap for everything. And before we continue on, I'm just going to go full disclosure here for Kush because he clearly didn't do that for us. Yes, he made that deal. He even proposed that deal to Phil. Okay? So just keep that in mind, listeners. 
He made that idea up, that he goes down for the crime, Kat gets off scot-free, they all get off scot-free, but that he wants to be looked after, after doing that. Well, Chris starts having doubts, Disney guys. Naturally. I don't I don't know why in the first place he thought, I know, I'll protect all you for this money that there's no guarantee that guarantee. you will give me. No, anything could change. Nothing I, signed. Phil could be bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ben could go to jail or die. Phil could go to jail or die. Like, they live quite reckless lifestyles. So, like, I don't imagine there's going to be someone waiting there to honour this deal if anything went wrong. Like, you're not just going to have, like, you know, Richie come over and he'd be like, she'll be like, listen, he has a, a cheque from Phil's, you know, estate just because, you know, he did promise you. I don't imagine that's going to happen. If anything happened to Phil and Ben. And what, Kush would go down for, what, four to five years, I said? I just find it hard to believe that after that amount of time that they would then remember the conversation they had. Nothing's in writing, nothing's on recording, nothing. So really, they could say, you didn't say that. And also, the police know (laughs) that the Mitchells have done those crimes. Because remember, that DI was obsessed. He was like, these are all the crimes Phil's done. And he was so obsessed with finding them and now there's kush like no they were me <laughs> yeah i don't think he understands how investigations work you don't just kind of confess and they're like all right that makes sense <laughs> like they have to investigate it do you know what i mean i mean well then again we had that dodgy ds who flipping interviewed stacy and oh. you know didn't investigate any of her claims <laughs> no didn't even try just she no. turned around how dare she <laughs> Well, Kush is having second thoughts. And I think it's natural when the time's approaching for you to get a bit of cold feet. But the one thing I would always advise is if you've made a deal with gangsters and, you know, are currently in bed with them, probably give it one or two more thoughts rather than just letting your mind run away with you and make you make a very silly choice, as we will find out he does. But don't worry. To ease these doubts, these worries in his head. He has a takeaway? He goes round to see Ben. Not a takeaway. Not a takeaway. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, when I'm struggling, when I'm worried about going down for crimes, I normally just go round to the local gangsters and I go, do you fancy, like, a cup and a bit of a chat? Or just, you know, just to kind of catch up in things, you know, before I go down for all the crimes I use committed. Well, Ben basically just tells him, just suck it up, buttercup. Time to go down. <laughs> I expected him to go around with like his notepad. So when you've done that crime, right? What did you do there? Okay, I just need to write that down because they're going to ask me about it. <laughs> and I mean, do you know, it's insane that this happens, right? That Kush goes from, I'm going to go down and get loads of money for this. I'm willing to do this. It just shows how impulsive he is. Mm. Like, this is the problem. We're going back to his gambling addiction. He's clearly not over that because... This is the same sort of behaviour, like impulsive behaviour, where like one minute he's like, yes, I'm going to get all this money. That's all I want. I just want to make sure that Arthur's looked after and the cat's, you know, safe, not in jail. I'm going to definitely do this. I'm going to do this. Get that cash. Then when suddenly something else is in his like view, which is now Whitney, it's like, no, I'm going to spend my life with Whitney. Now I'm going to have to go back on everything I've just done, even though that means double crossing gangsters, which probably means my death. Like it's, I don't understand how Kush goes around living his life like that. Like, it must be so fraught with danger. All of his impulsive actions have led him here. He's like, he's so impulsive 
and like even Marion Whitney there, he was just like, I'm gonna marry her. Yes. Organized That's it, everything, insane. decided changed his mind, doesn't want to like do the whole deal. But originally yeah. he he'd done the deal just to try and get some money. It it does all go back to the original storyline that we came back with after lockdown of gambling. And yeah. then he's also got such a massive heart that all he wants to do is try and help. That made Phil happy. That made Ben yeah. happy. But that also helped him. Now he's making Whitney happy. Mm-hmm. Like he's all he's a, he just wants to please people and he's very impulsive. Yeah. And I think that's everything that's led to where we are. I think like seeing Kush's actions this like pa- the, like the past few weeks, you've seen like you've just said there that like he's very romantic. He's very hearty. Like he's and unfortunately that comes out in his impulsive nature. Like it's the two are kind of fixed together. He is a bit like weight in the sense that he daydreams and, you know, clearly believes in like happily ever afters. Also like good intentions is not like necessarily always the right thing either. Like, like we say, like he always wants to do the right thing that he thinks is the right thing. But sometimes like he's in morally gray situations. And so, you know, the right thing might be right for one person in that situation but it could completely screw over everyone else or himself. Like he doesn't think about these things. And again, impulsive is when he says what he does in court. (laughs) Yes, we'll get to that guys. (laughs) Impulsive in what he does next. He goes on the run, like everything. And then also romantic because he thinks he's going to give Whitney this, the best life she can have. The, on the run you know, on the run you know <laughs> yeah, I'm, you, I'm gonna make you so happy <laughs> have you never had a romantic time on the run connor gosh you haven't lived <laughs> i mean yeah I'm, I'm just too busy dodging the police and you know <laughs> trying to find a decent takeaway that you know you could get some uh, <laughs> get, get for like five you know pounds. what though on the run they'll always be having takeaways that's true that's maybe actually... that's why <laughs> <laughs> when he said like I just want to make you happy I was just like just give a takeaway then she'll be fine she'll be happy <laughs> she'll be happy with that like I just love that we get this moment between Kat and Whitney as well where Kat comes over to say Whitney and Whitney I'm just going to come for you now right I'm sorry respect you you've had some great storylines you're a very brave and strong woman but I'm about to come for you now Whitney I'm sorry your attitude towards Kat is literally repulsive you have known Kush for two months on a romantic level. You have known Kat majority of your life on the square. And she has been there for you. Like, probably best to treat this one with a little bit of respect rather than, like, you know, raggling toys around and stropping around like a, like a teenager. You're an adult now, Whitney. It's time to start thinking and behaving maturely. She, she's like, we don't have lies. We don't have lies, me and Kush. Um, excuse me, you don't even know that he's going down for all these crimes about Phil. Thank you, Kat. It's not, like, what kind of relationship? She doesn't know him. And the irony is, is earlier, she was talking to Martin, I think it was, and she was talking about how she always had the wrong bloke stood next to her, or she didn't really know the bloke stood next to her. Take some time with Learn who the person is. Don't fall madly in love with them. It's, like, very dangerous to behave like that. Look what happened with Leo. Look what happened with Lee and Callum. Like, you can get your heart broken or worse. Woody. Does and, anyone remember Woody? Hey, God, do you remember that? Please. That was something else. I don't even like to go down that dark route. Um, I just think 
I feel for Whitney because she obviously is still that little girl who believes in fairy tales. Cush isn't going to come riding in on some white horse and be like, come on, let's go. And then you're going to live this luxurious, happy ever after on the run. You're going to be running for the rest of your life, dodging the Mitchells if he does something like come out of that deal. So just keep that in mind. Because Cush then decides, now's the time. He's going to propose to her. But first... He's got to write his vows. I mean, 10-minute vows. Can't wait to hear how they turn out. <laughs> Do you know what? When I envision my wedding, Emma, I always envision Ross writing his vows 10 minutes before the actual ceremony. Oh, I think yeah. that would be really nice, you know. What's he going to put in? I promise to always put the toilet seat down and always wash the skid marks out of my boxers. I like, always promise to bring you a takeaway on a Friday oh, night. I have a takeaway, of course. Oh. I promise to never clip my toenails when you're around. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what are these promises, these vows going to be? They're going to be really mundane things. Oh, what else does she like? She likes uh, ice cream. I promise to always buy you an ice cream when it's hot. Like, what what vows is he going to write? Like, you don't know her, Kosh. You don't know her. She don't know you. It's ridiculous. I'm talking, when I say know each other, I'm not talking about knowing each other because it's the neighbour across the street. It's like they need, don't they, Emma? They need, like, when you're in love with someone, you're getting married to someone, you're dedicating your life to that person. Like, you're saying, this is the one person I want to be with for the rest of my life. You need to understand that person on a deeper level then. Well, Kush has always been nice to me. I mean, come on, wait. Come on, this what? is exactly like Martin and Ruby. It is. It's as vacuous as Martin and Ruby's marriage. Like, it's empty of any real substance. They don't know each other. They've been together since February. They've known each other. They've, like, obviously been on the square together. Yes. They've had scenes together. But they've never, like, lived... Have they lived together? Because she'd live at the Slayers. But you know what I mean. But he was with Kat. Does she know all (laughs) of his fears? She doesn't know, like, his deepest, darkest secret, like... Going yeah. down for Phil's crimes. Yeah. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> does she know, like, the hardest moment in his life? Like, does, does, does he know the hardest moment in hers? Like, one of the things that was really beautiful about Kat and Kush was that actually he did understand a lot of Kat's problems and saw her not in this, like, victim kind of image, but actually saw her as this really strong, powerful woman who's rose above those issues of her childhood. And also, if you ever look at Kush, if he ever needs help, the people he's went to are Martin, Stacey, and Denise. Yeah. Whitney doesn't even factor in. She's inserted herself into his life as his hero, which is really unusual. I don't know where this came from. It started with hiding him in the, the attic. Do you remember that? When he was the oh. Kush in the attic. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, it started with um, when he threw Leo off the balcony. That's right, when he, he, he white-knighted her and, and threw, threw this man off of a balcony. That's I where mean, it started. The, the, wedding, the wedding was pretty awkward. I mean, only Martin and Tiff were there, but still, <laughs> still awkward. Yeah. Gets down on one knee, proposes again. Um, then they're going to get married, but Kat's words are ringing in her head. And um, yeah, no, that's not happening. No. So Kush does what he does best. Goes for a run, does he ever? <laughs> he loves a good run. <laughs> He's always running from something. <laughs> run for home. Run as fast. 
<laughs> he's always lagging it somewhere. Honestly, if he's not kidnapping Arthur to run away to Dubai, he's running away from flipping, you know, his affair with Stacey. He's running away from... Like, he's always running. He's running away from the police. <laughs> Nate Woodhead's got that beautiful body. That man. We've always wondered how he kept that physique. It's obvious. He's just a, a, a adept runner. <laughs> it's all he does. <laughs> the man's pure leg muscle. <laughs> Martin's there for Whitney, though. He's, he's there for her. He comes around and he says, you know, I think you've probably just got cold feet. But more important than that, Emma, Martin thinks that Whitney should deny her happiness because this is the happiest he's ever seen her. <laughs> In two weeks. <laughs> he's ever seen Kush for years well I think he's been happier to be fair because technically he's got like you know a massive stretch over him he was just having a massive round with Ruby the other week like he's hardly the picture of like happiness is he he was like oh this is the happiest I've seen Kush well no because I remember when he was first on the square and he was definitely had he had definitely a lot more happy moments than he's having this these last few weeks this week alone's just not good (laughs) exactly this this year has been terrible for Kush. He gambled the house away, lost it, broke up with Kat, a long-term partner. Like, then he ended up in massive rows with Ruby, kidnapped Arthur, ended up getting kicked out of the Slaters. Like, I don't think happiness is... Ended like... up doing that whole code thing, getting it all wrong. The, oh, the yeah, rest... do you remember that? Going on the heist, them getting away, him getting took by the police, now this whole deal. But no, this is the happiest. The Martin happiest. has seen him in years. <laughs> I mean, if this is happiness, I would hate to say I'm sad. Do you know what I mean? Kush's <laughs> <laughs> sadness, he just drowns the whole square in tears. Like, what is? what does that even look like then? <laughs> does Martin actually know Kush at all? <laughs> I just said, I literally wrote this. I was like... <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> Honestly, it was literally that. He says, never seen you so happy these past weeks. <laughs> Oh. Whitney Hun, you were miserable three weeks ago yeah, until you were a miserable sour faced cow. <laughs> That's what he just said to her. <laughs> until you met Kush and you thought of that life on the run. Yeah, the love of our life after two months. Happiest I've seen you in weeks. <laughs> and my favourite bit is like I was just like, does Martin even hear what he's saying sometimes? <laughs> no. Like, I swear his brain is not connected to his mouth. I swear the two are like two separate entities. Like he speaks. <laughs> But his brain's going, what are you doing, Mark? Why are you saying that? I mean, it's just all flipping ridiculous. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm all for it. I love I'm it. I'm all for it. Martin's words, rightfully, don't really make Whitney feel much better. Well, no. So, Would you feel better after someone pretty much said for the last few years, other than these <laughs> last two weeks, you've been the most miserable human being he's ever come across? <laughs> Couldn't stand you full crush, Whitney. Couldn't stand you, but... Uh, I actually yeah, hated cause... when you lived with us, Whitney. You were just miserable. You moped <laughs> around. <laughs> we're always eating all of my toast as well. There was no toast left in that flipping bread bin. <laughs> I just... I love it. I just live... I live for, for Martin's lines to Whitney. That was just everything. The happiest ever been these past weeks. <laughs> Like, I know she's had a tough life on the square, but Whitney has had the odd happy moment. It's like Martin's yes, went. Yes, she has been happy. Martin's like, went, 
happy moments with Needna. <laughs> He's watched his storylines. He's been watching um, all of our best bits or something on YouTube. Oh, and went, yeah, like Whitney Revealed. He's been yeah. watching Whitney Revealed. <laughs> be like, oh, that's sad interest. She had a terrible life. And he's, he's just missed out all those bits all in between. Bits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Whitney, rightfully, like we say, is a little bit put out by Martin's comments and isn't really cheered up at all. So she goes and sits in the square where she, you know, was proposed to and rejected. And, uh, well, since she looks vulnerable, since she looks alone and sad, who else but Grey would come round the corner to try and exploit her? Well. Yeah, I did love it, though, because then she's like, oh, thanks, Grey, you really helped. Yeah, I know, I love that bit. He's like, really? You want to come home, then? He's, he's like, ha-ha, I've got my woman now. And then she's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go and get him. And she goes and tells Kush she loves him. <laughs> Awkward. I love it because Grey has kind of become Ruby where, you know, everything that he does always backfires. Yeah. And, like, it always ends up where, like, everything he tries to do to get Whitney on site just makes her further away from him. <laughs> it's like, hysterical. And I love when he's like, I've got a bottle of wine if you want. Come back to mine. I'm like, Grey, this is a problem. You don't speak her love language. If you had said... Pepperoni pizza for two. She would have been there. She would have been there. He doesn't know her like Kush does. Exactly. Or Martin, really. Martin, Martin, Martin knows Martin her so knows well. Really well. <laughs> never seen her so happy these past few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So, so when, is, when is plans failing? Grace suggests Kush did a runner because his hearing's coming up. Whitney decides that's not like him. <laughs> Whitney, he literally did that though. <laughs> do we do we not remember? He planned to do a run out with some of Ruby's money and Arthur. Remember that was only a few weeks ago. Do you remember you helped him? He oh, and do you remember the, the time you put him in the attic because he was doing a runner? Doing a runner. <laughs> he was avoiding the police because he committed <laughs> the crime. AKA a runner. <laughs> He's a good man. That's what she says, isn't doesn't she? She's like, he's a good man, Kush. He's made me the happiest I've been ever yeah, in the my happiest life. I've ever been. These last weeks. two weeks, these last two weeks are the happiest Martin's <laughs> ever seen me because of Kush. And then I love this bit because this is like what we've talked about, where she goes, all he does is try to help people, foreshadowing what will happen. Mm. That was a little sneaky little nod that they put in there. Well done, Eastenders. None of us got that, did we? The Christmas one round the table. Oh, that... that was a good one as well. That was a good one. And then also, can I just say, I'm coming for Whitney in a minute because she literally does Kat such a disservice. She turns around and she's like, this is all Kat's fault. He wouldn't have stolen those cars if it wasn't there. Sorry. It was a gambling addict who gambled the house away. Well, didn't Kat tell him not to come on the job? She was trying not to, and he was like, yes. I can do it, I can do it. He begged his way into it and then just joined. And Kat yeah, he was, begged, Kat... sabotaged, he did everything he could to get onto that job. Even Shirley, Phil, Ben, they didn't want him on the job, but then he managed to get on the job. <laughs> yeah. He made it so that he was on it. He convinced her to let him into it. It's not Kat's job. That's the cause of Kush's problems. It's Kush's fault that he went on that job and then also let his ego and impulsiveness 
get the better of him. For her to then lay all that blame on Kat, it's just so wrong. Yes, it was her job, but he forced his way onto it. And he also is the reason it went sideways. <laughs> if he just got that blooming code right in the first place. Yeah, I know. If he just learned to read. <laughs> if he just, rather than try the same number over and over again, <laughs> just change that one digit. It was literally, it was a B, not a six. <laughs> that was all it was. Like, you could have just said, well, it could have been a B, actually. Let's try B. <laughs> and, like, then, like, he also made it even worse for himself after that. Like, instead of just going with Callum, he then ran around the whole building. So then Callum chased him. Like, remember, he attacked Callum at one point. And then, well, he could have just got in the car when Phil and Kat said, come with us. Yes. But he was like, no, I can start this car. If You could not start that car. Yeah. and I knew, to... I knew then it was all going to go downhill for us. That was the end, wasn't it, Emma? I'm, I'm still not over it. I just think, like, Whitney, it just shows how she doesn't know Kush at all. Kat only made this job to make the fact, like, to be able to pay for the gambling debt that he racked up. And that's not her problem. Yet she's paying for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, that's unfair. Whitney laying all that on her. So Whitney gets home. She leaves the voicemail for Kush, which was a bit pointless because he was sat in the living room. If she just walked a couple of, yeah. <laughs> couple of steps, she would have I love seen. that she did, like, check to see if he was in. She was just like, he's clearly left us. I thought he didn't do a runner. <laughs> <laughs> she clearly has all the confidence in the world in him then. <laughs> and it was at this point where there were... They were talking about the hearing coming up tomorrow and, well, like, they were going to have that night in and that she's sorry. She does love him. He loves her. She's sorry about the wedding. And I thought they were going to have a takeaway. I really, I really did. did. I thought she was going to say, and I have ordered your favourite takeaway, so please come back. I thought she wasn't going to say the L word. I thought she was going to say, she's got the T word. She's got some takeaway in for him. I thought they would have one last takeaway before he had his hearing. Like a last supper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they make up. And um, the next day, it's the big day for Kush. It's court day. And Arthur makes him a good luck daddy card. Oh, Arthur. Bless your cotton socks. I thought that Arthur... Kush sat down with Arthur, didn't he, and told him. So Arthur's like, yay, good luck, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm confused I'm by not that. entirely like, sure that Arthur got what was happening. No, me neither. Did Kush say, I'm going away for a little bit like Mammy? Oh, just poor Arthur, Stacey Romley That poor child. Then How? Kush, we all know, we all know the ending. I know, it's terrible. Oh, Arthur, you poor little thing. And it's the way they'll say, Daddy Kush, Daddy Martin. Oh, oh I mean, like, can I just say... I'm, I'm, I'll be you know, okay, I'll be okay. The irony is, is that, like, Martin shows more sympathy for Kush, who did commit a crime, against Stacey, who didn't uh-huh. commit a crime. Like, it's insane, it's insane. It's like, well, Arthur just wanted to come round and wish you luck for your, your big trial. Well, I don't see you encouraging him to write any good luck cards for Stacey Martin. I don't like, understand. Why did he not have this emotion? When I was watching it, that's all I could think. I was like, why yeah, do you not like, like this with he Stacey? He loves Kush more than he did Stacey. <laughs> I was like, Martin. 
let's be real. Is that just the big storyline behind the scenes? Is Martin just going to go, awesome first! <laughs> 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 Is he just going to admit his love? We've all, be, we've all wanted that. Come on, let's be honest. We've all wanted to have that scene just once. Just once. It was annoying to see how much, like, support he gave me, like, Arthur and Kush compared to Arthur when Stacey was going. Yeah, he's sat texting them. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, literally, <laughs> Stacey had gone down for a year. I was like, I've just been on the, I've just been texting Olivia to see if she's all right because, you know, my man's just been imprisoned. Well, why did you get up off your backside, you lazy so-and-so? Well, doesn't need luck, really, because, uh, well, Chris has decided he's going to have a gamble after all, isn't he? Impulsive. Back to our impulsive chat, isn't it, Emma? Where Chris doesn't really think things through. No. So, Cush decides to drop nearly everyone in it. What I did appreciate from Cush here is he did not <laughs> drop Cat in it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Can I just say? So he does. Love. I think he still he still likes Cat a yeah, bit more than he's letting on. Her. But this is how stupid Cush is. He thinks that that's it. That that's where it'll end. And I have to say, I can't believe he threw Shirley under a bus when they've done all no, that stuff that together. They have lived together. They quarantined together. They looked after they Jean. They poisoned Jean together. Uh-huh. I love the way I went for looked after. You correctly said poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, Cush? Yeah, that was such a rotten thing to do. I was like, excuse me, Cush, rescind that last name. <laughs> I was like, how dare you bring... That's my mum. Everyone knows how it looks just like my mum. I'm not having her go down for a crime she didn't commit. <laughs> but, you know, thank you for leaving Kat out. That's really appreciated. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Especially during these really tough times of what the Slaters are going through. Really yeah, respect. Just dropping eyes. I really respect that you have, um, unlike Martin... <laughs> Have some thought and care. Yeah, for, for one slate at least. At least one. Like, I just thought, though, Kush, you're doing it again. Uh, where you yeah. do things <laughs> without thinking. Yeah. The gangster and his son are literally watching the like the, the this trial. And you have just announced to the son that you're going to dob them all in it. What could ever go wrong? <laughs> Especially when he's so confident that he's not going down for any crime. I love when he's like, it's all right, I've made a deal with the police. Oh, I'm sure you can, can, you can trust them then. I'm sure you can. <laughs> Hang on. Considering it's, four it's, or five of them are corrupt. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a Walford police cush. I wouldn't just take <laughs> that on board, to be fair. And also now the Mitchells are not happy with you. So that was... Probably yes, not. Exactly. Now you've just got very angry yeah. gangsters coming your way. <laughs> not your smartest move. <laughs> really, not your smartest move, is it? No. I was just like, you're not looking at some prison time now, Kush. You're looking at death. Like these people will kill you. And also, I love that he thinks that this investigation just stops at, at the Mitchells and, and Shirley. It's never going to draw anyone else in, like Martin, who worked for them, or 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 Cat who actually brought that crime to them. Like, when they do the investigation and they're like, well, the guy said that there was a cleaner called Kathleen who worked here. Yes, Kathleen Slater, she worked here and actually hired Phil and hired Shirley and brought them in. 
Oops. Yeah, not really thinking, are you, Kush? And also, I think what Kush doesn't remember here is that although Phil and Ben and and Shirley would go to prison if yeah. the investigation obviously um, went that way, if they didn't get out, we know that they have their ways, they will get out. Yeah. Yeah, um, probably. They would 100% know someone who would do the job for them. <laughs> yes. Maybe Shell Suit Stan could come and clobber him over the head. You don't know. Well, let's look at the evidence, Emma. What evidence do they have that Phil Mitchell, Shirley Carter, and Ben Mitchell committed those car robberies? They literally saw Kush. <laughs> That's it. It's just Kush's word. It's just Kush's word. That is not evidence, loves. And also, like, how is how are they going to swing it when, like, it goes to court? Kush is standing, giving evidence. There's something called reliability, trustworthiness. These things are factored into your witnesses. A prosecution, like a defense, would have no problem destroying the prosecution's attempts at using Kush as evidence. Kush is not a reliable person. Well, gambled, when, gambled this, when this all first happened, we mentioned that in the podcast, didn't we? We said yeah. that if it came to it, who are they going to believe? And with what they know about Kush, are they going to actually believe what he's saying? Especially when they've got evidence he was there. Yeah. And also, this is all counting on the fact that Phil won't just bribe a jury. We've seen a <laughs> jury before. <laughs> like he's done it before it got max fitted up do you remember like he, he fitted max up by bribing a jury so he could do it again like it's not difficult kush is not thinking this through evidently by the fact that he comes home and it's celebratory and he's like i'm innocent i'm innocent now do i am. sorry kush you're not innocent love. you were also there <laughs> you were also there you were committing a theft i mean in fact you would have ran over callum if you could have <laughs> Phil will destroy any argument that Kush puts against him because he will just turn around and say, well, I didn't need the cash. He did. Well, it's awkward, isn't it? Because, like, Richie's normally there, normally has their back. And the one time she's conveniently off um, is the time for Kush. So we all knew then, if Grey's involved, we all know where it's heading. And also, I just felt so sorry for the Mitchells at this point because Grey just doesn't... He just he just can't do his job very well. Well, Richie, no, he's rubbish. Richie is really good. I mean, look, she can get them out. But Richie can get them out on any charge. Literally, literally Ben was like facing like you know grievous bodily harm, assault, murder charges, things like that. Like out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Grey's just like, well, that they've got the evidence. They've just got evidence. They've got Cush's word. Grey, you're a lawyer. You know that that means nothing. <laughs> they need hard evidence. They need actual physical proof that they were there. Like, Kush's word is not proof. Phil then quite rightly says that um, he doesn't pay great to tell him this kind of thing. He pays him to sort out the problem. Which actually, yes, fair enough, because at this point, Gray wasn't even really trying to help or anything. Was yeah. he? he was just like, nah, nothing I can do. Yeah, not that. Well, I'll just move on to an next employer then. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> proper loyal there proper loyal. I picked up on something that I don't know if everyone else did Ben makes quite clear to Grey that if anything should happen to Kush it would backfire on them so not to do that 
what he wants is for Gray to find some loophole or some sort of evidence to turn it over so that Kush goes down. Because they're currently in like the police station, if anything happened, yes, you know, they didn't do it. But wouldn't it be suspicious if something happened to Kush and you yeah. just try to take down Phil, Ben and Shirley and suddenly something happens to him? Like, Ben's right. Like, if something happens to Kush, they're still going to have some sort of blame. So naturally, yeah. they don't want that. Actually, this is all great at this point. That should be remembered. Like, this... Gray is manipulating this situation to his benefit because really he just wants Kush out of the way physically. The the Mitchells just want Kush's testimony like gone. That's yeah. all they want. They don't want him dead because if they did, like Emma says, if anything happened to Kush and he just vanishes or dies, who's going to look guilty? It's them. And it'll just work against them. It will be further evidence that they have done something to to try and escape this charge. Well, at at this point, Gray's using this because he wants Whitney and he he needs Cush out the picture. And he's been trying in so many other ways to try and get Cush out of this. And he thought, well, that's great. He's going down for however many years. And now he's not. And he knows Whitney's going to take this opportunity to go and run away with Cush. So this is where it's it's not about the court case or anything anymore. This is now Grey and his manipulation and his obsession. his obsession with Whitney. Whilst Whitney and Cush decide they're going to have to go on the run. And yeah, that's like a whole circle, isn't it? Let's take Arthur. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's go to Dubai again. And not only that, let's do the most disgusting possible thing we could when Stace is in jail. I'm coming for years. I'm coming for both Whitney and Cush because whilst me and I are supportive of Cush being innocent of all of those other crimes and whilst we want nothing but happiness for Whitney, this is absolutely disgusting and outrageous that he would steal a child that was already kidnapped previously from Stacey. It was so awful. Like, this is the first time, though, Martin's actually thought of Stacey in this whole time. Yeah, I know. They fell over. I know. I didn't know what to do. He's like... We, no, we can't. We can't do that, do we? She's in inside, and like, I want to tell her. We've got to talk to her about this, and like, how's this going to affect Arthur when she's yeah. away? And now, his dad's on the run. Like, this is not good. Martin turned around and said, "Stacy would never forgive us." Accurate. Yeah. If I was Stacy, I would come out of that flipping prison cell, and I would butcher you with a thousand words. <laughs> Honestly, there isn't a single thing. That I would turn the world inside out if I was Stacey. I had to find out that whilst I was in jail, my ex again kidnapped my child for the second time and ran off to Dubai. Also, I could just live a fairy tale life with his new, new, yeah, like his new. It's the way they're like, don't worry, when she's out, we'll come back and we'll sort it. We'll sort the custody. Be over by then. (laughs) Don't you worry. It's over by then. Well, Whitney's like, this shows how how silly and childish she is. I know what you're going to say, and it is, it's annoying. She'll understand. No, she won't. No, she won't. She'll just want what's best for him. Yeah, to be with with his family on the square. Yes. Why would she ever want him to be in Dubai, miles away from her, her family, and like his siblings? Like you're going to strip him away from Lillian Hall. I think that's absolutely outrageous. Like, and also love that Kush is suddenly thinking about Arthur when he's like, no, but listen, Martin. It's because if he stays here, it could be leverage. They might do something to get me to come back. Well, Kush, 
Maybe you should have thought about poor little Arthur before you decided to not only make a deal with the Mitchells, but then double-cross them. And, you know, I felt so sorry for poor Arthur. Martin goes and wakes him up because they've managed to turn it round to the point he's decided, OK. Stupid as Martin. I give oh, up with that man. I know, I know. I give up with him. I'm sorry. I loved that man and I loved Kush, but what they are doing to our Stace is outrageous. Why? Why are they doing it to her? Why can't they just leave Arthur? Like, I don't understand. Go on the road, that's fine. Go on, run off into the sunset. Don't take Arthur. It's just disgusting, Emma. I just can't deal with this. And then Arthur naturally wants Martin to go with him so he can get away from Ruby. I mean, yeah, that is the truth. <laughs> I mean, I would have looked for it. Also, can I just say in all of this... I love it, though. never once told Martin the truth. No! Never once no. told Martin the truth. He didn't! And I love it because this whole time, all this is going on. It's awful. Ruby's not there for Martin. Martin's... Not one bit. No. Martin doesn't even need Ruby. That shows <laughs> to me that their relationship is pointless. Yeah, it isn't confided in her at all. Like, it, this is a very big life no. moment, and he's like... Right, Arthur, see you later. Don't forget your library card. Ruby's dead happy. This is exactly what she's been wanting since the beginning of the year. Bye, yeah, Arthur. Just thought. Bye, Arthur. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I've packed you some chocolates. <laughs> Remember last time? It's just going to be like that. <laughs> oh, honestly, this scene literally had me boiling inside because I just know how traumatic that was mm. for Stacey the first time when Kush took like Arthur away. And it's just outrageous that, like, he's using this situation to justify it. Like, I'm sorry. It's really horrible because she doesn't even know this is happening. No. I love it when he's like, oh, well, we just don't have time. Well, you would have if you'd actually told anyone about this plan before you just suddenly, oh, wait, sorry. Because it wasn't a plan, was it, Kush? It was the spur of the moment, five minutes into your flipping court here, and you were like, I'm going to just drop everyone in and just leave. <laughs> what could go wrong? It's Frankie's birthday and Shirley is home. And she's so happy to see the long-lost granddaughter she's never knew she had. Where's Tina? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she still hasn't obviously found um, Tina. But like Mick hasn't found Frankie a birthday present. I just love, love Frankie's, Frankie's birthday options. You know, the things that he's going to get her. Nodding dog. A cat apron <laughs> or a Yeah, you're right. She, she wasn't really that happy because she actually got upset that Frankie had moved in because that would mean no room for Tina. Tina's a grown woman, Shirley. <laughs> she can't live with Mick for the rest of his life. <laughs> it's his auntie. And Where's then... Tina going to live? Well, I know she's an adult woman. And it got really, it got really weird again because it's like all she could think of was Tina. So they want to throw Frankie a birthday party because, uh, well, Frankie didn't say it was her birthday, so they're going to celebrate it a day later after Mick finds <laughs> the card. And uh, Shirley goes, "Oh yes, Tina loves a birthday party. It's not <laughs> Tina though, it's Frankie." <laughs> Story man, she's like obsessed. <laughs> Tina's oh. not gonna hear the music and go, Hang on, is that them? Are they yeah, playing just... party music all the way from the other side? <laughs> 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 she's like, I hear music, I'm coming, Mick. 
<laughs> like, does she think this is going to be a calling that if they put on a party, Tina's going to arrive? Like, <laughs> I mean, I love Cheryl. You know I do. But my God, her constant referencing of Tina when it's <laughs> Frankie's birthday. Frankie's whole... This is this should be a massive moment between Shirley, Frankie and like Mick where she's like, listen, you know, I know... We've not had bonding and stuff, but I want to take this time to really get to know you and really, you know, show that I love you because you are my granddaughter. No, not Shirley. She's like, where's Tina? Have you heard anything? Can't believe you've moved her in. Tina now has no room. And Tina yeah. can't come and it's a birthday party and Tina loves and Tina party. loves parties. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. And I could just imagine, like, Frankie getting, like, the cat apron and yeah. her going... Tina loved cat aprons. Why didn't you ever buy Tina a cat apron? Yeah, like you can so imagine that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm obsessed with that. I'm being what you said. Where's Tina going to live? Well, it's not a halfway house, love. Like, Tina is a grown woman. It was blooming weird that she wasn't living by herself to begin with. <laughs> she's like well into her 50s and she's still living in her, like, her nephew's home. That's what you're trying to say. Let's have Tina, the 50-whatever-year-old woman, move back in with her nephew, his wife, and his children. Do you remember when she tried to move with them when they moved out the Vic? And they were yeah, like... that was so funny. She got really annoyed. Do you remember? <laughs> she couldn't live with them and she got really, <laughs> she got really annoyed. She was really hateful because she was his daughter and live with me. Thank you for something else. And they accidentally sold us stuff. <laughs> yes. Well, she's like... Where she's like, this is mine. And it's like, I'm a big fairy court, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, like, it just gets me over and over again that bit. <laughs> but what about Tina? <laughs> well, I don't know, really. What about Tina? <laughs> she's a grown woman. What's she like, going to do? Put out posters saying, there's a party on tonight. And then, yeah. Tina, if you're reading this, go along. <laughs> do like a, a TV announcement, you know, like, the kind of, like you know, those police uh, announcement things for like, when there's people missing. She's like, Tina, just want to let you know, babe, we forgive you for running away. Don't don't be silly. Just come home. We're throwing your favourite thing in the whole world, a party. And more than that, your room might not be how you've left it, but you've still got some room. I mean, the irony is she was actually in Nancy's room. So Tina exactly. technically did still have a room. Nancy, who arrived later, does not yeah, have a room. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Shirley would have Nancy kicked out so Tina could live there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh you daughter lived in Tina's room <laughs> she doesn't live here now she moved with her husband hmm. <laughs> Tina however Tina needs a room Tina needs a room but even before Nancy turns up she's basically willing to kick Frankie like make yeah. my lost daughter out of a bedroom for Tina like who would do that who would sacrifice their like child for their like auntie I loved her I loved her I loved her I love when Mick was trying to reassure her as well. It's like, don't worry, man. Tina loves adventures. There's probably off somewhere. She's not a flipping hobbit. It's not like Lord of the Rings. She's not gone to destroy a magic ring somewhere, Mick. She's missing. Well, maybe in his mind, right? Because remember, Tina thought TV shows were real. True. Maybe he thinks she's watched one and she's now, she is. She watched she's Lord of the Rings. Adventure. She watched Lord of the Rings and that's what she's up to now. Yeah, she's fighting goblins with Gandalf. Like, <laughs> she's, off, she's off doing her favourite thing ever. She's putting down the Yorks and killing the Urukais. 
little bit of geekdom there for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I lived for this moment as well, where Linda makes mention of menopause again. Yes, we were right. I'm like, was I right about thinking it was menopause? But now am I wrong about it being menopause? I know, it did, it did make me... Now I'm starting to worry, <laughs> is it pregnancy? It did have that moment where it was like, ha, ah, yes, we're right. But then it was like, but maybe, maybe we're thinking too much into this, maybe now. Yes, <laughs> maybe this is obvious now. Maybe like, it's too obvious. I loved, loved, loved when they all said happy birthday to Frankie in sign language. And I loved oh. how... They were really thinking about it and how long they were taking yeah. to spell out Frankie. Because when I was learning, that is exactly what I was like. But it was that just was the, the thought and the effort. I just loved it. I loved Shirley. My eyes didn't leave her. Like mine, I just that was her. so weird. Mine was to Linda because Linda was like oh, me really? where she when Linda was really thinking about the spelling and going for Anki. That was me. That's how I used to be. Yeah. I'd be like, um. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> But now I can do I it. I Shirley went very ex- extreme movements, wasn't it? When she's trying to do it. But I live for it because it was like another moment where Shirley was actually connecting with her granddaughter. Yeah. It was like, it was like a sweet moment. I also, I, mean, I really want to see them learn a bit more. I yeah, want to see that be something they like start doing and incorporate yeah. into the storyline. I think that, I did love the effort they made to do that for her. I thought it was really yeah. sweet. It really welcomed her. And I was like, oh. I know. I think if they go down that route about like learning sign language, I want it either to be Mick or Shirley. Party time and Tina would have Tina loves a party, so you know what? She might appear. Shirley's put the posters out, she's she's got everything going. She's got the streamers out, the fireworks. She's calling to Tina. Tina's not arriving. But Sharon is with her new brother Zach. And that gives Mick a bit of an idea. He hasn't got a present for Frankie. So he can give her the greatest present of all. And announce that she is his daughter. Oh! I mean, a bit of a cheapskate gift, Mick. But <laughs> I mean, like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Frankie appreciated it, but you know. I true. Was, I think you should have gave her a gift too. <laughs> yeah, like, just a little gift, even. Yeah. Just, just a bracelet or a necklace, something. Just, just a little something. Something. Trinkety, like something. Earrings. I love, love when Zach tries to pick her up. You know, like he's like trying to like, you know, use his worst ever, like chart lines to Frankie. And Frankie's like, Peter, Paul, Ben, is that your name? She's like, why didn't we pretend that she can't hear? I love when she does that stuff where she's like, you know, she likes to exaggerate the awkwardness of the situation yeah. and stuff and like really play into that and like play into like the stereotypes and the difficulties I love it. And then I love because, like, Zach's, like, flirting with her and stuff. And I, was like, I mean, well, I wouldn't say no to Zach. I mean, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. <laughs> but I do have to say something, Emma. Even those cheap lines. <laughs> I have to say, it's a little bit cradle robbie because if he is born from... He's not born <laughs> <laughs> If he was born in 1923, as Wikipedia said, <laughs> then he's a little bit too old for us. <laughs> figured out his age it's been a week <laughs> you're you're announcing frankie's birthday to everyone and the door opens you think tina's got tina's got the message tina's here tina yeah. she loves the birthday party and the sadness in shirley's eyes i love it because it was just like not nancy i want to just take another room 
Where's Tino going to sleep now? (laughs) (laughs) The poor thing will have to make do with the couch. That's right. Nancy's here. And her and Frankie don't quite gel. I feel like there's some awkwardness there between them. Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? It was like, where's the rivalry from the get-go? Yeah, like naturally Frankie's wanting to get on with Nancy but Nancy's very standoffish but I've always thought that about Nancy I've always thought Nancy's always in the past always took the moral high ground with everything whatever she says goes whatever she believes goes she used to always get into people's business (laughs) all the time sorry as you can tell (laughs) as you tell I'm a massive fan of Nancy I just need to disclose something guys um so Emma would, wouldn't feel she could say this on air, but she's had a very traumatic experience in the past. So traumatic with Nancy that actually it's haunted her ever since. And um, basically she spent all day making some beautiful fairy cakes and she came to give them to Nancy to just say, you know, good, goodbye, farewell when she was leaving the show. And do you know what Nancy did? She took a cigarette, right? She took she a cigarette. And then she just put it down right through the icing, right through the icing in the cake. I've never forgave her. <laughs> I, I could never I could never go and bake off because I, w- I was just I was frightened she might come round the corner <laughs> she come round the corner she's a guest judge and put a cigarette in me very gay I have to admit as well I'm not a massive Nancy fan mostly she just bored me when she was on like I have to be honest like it wasn't a huge thing I liked the early season like seasons <laughs> the early seasons <laughs> Time. Which one was that um, then? God. Yeah, season two. Preferred <laughs> season two to season three. The rest all just seemed overproduced. No, I just, I loved, um, I just loved those early moments between her, Johnny, and like Lee. Those were really beautiful yeah. moments. It was when they kind of drifted away from like the storylines together and started kind of having their own storylines. And also, I'm still a little bit peeved that she was the one who like outed Johnny as well. Do you remember that? Mm. Like, she outed her own brother, and I just think that's really, it's like gross. Honey and Jay are chatting, having a little gossip, and Sharon walks in. So, Sharon being friends with Linda, naturally, they ask her some questions. They don't know about the huge falling out they've had. And they're saying that Mick has a daughter, um, and she's like, oh, yeah, apparently so. She didn't say anything really there. She, yeah, that's literally it. She literally says, apparently so. Um, Honey then says quite a lot. So Nancy decides to just take all of that out on Sharon and she starts having a go at her about Keanu. She's clearly watched some old episodes because she brings <laughs> up Sharon Gate. And I know, I was like, sorry, you weren't even born, you fetus. She's, she's taking this whole moral high ground here, but totally forgetting that Linda had an affair with Max. But apart from that, you know, that, that's fine. And um, <laughs> she goes on and says that she's going to... Uh, rip the wig off her head and feed it to her piece by piece and how does that sound sharon thank you comes for her and she's like rude it's not a wig should you really be taking the moral high ground here because like your mother cheated on your father your father cheated on your mother like your brother gave his wife the clap like your other brother ran off to italy on a flipping random love quest should you really be taking the moral high ground <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though isn't it like I loved when like I love Lee as well but like 
can't they can't come back right and like start judging people like they're not infallible they're not perfect people they were already asking. They were just curious. And Sharon, it was the fact she took it out on Sharon when she didn't yeah, say it much. Right. It was Honey that was like looking for the gossip. And then Shirley got arrested. And I think Sharon would have probably quite liked to have seen that and been like, Nancy, mm-hmm. what yeah. were you saying? What were you saying about your family? Because <laughs> everyone enjoys Sharon and Shirley's rivalry. It's great. Oh, they do. It's like, it's telly gold. So, it's a new day and Keegan's business is off to a hit. Dottie's just admiring the the image, just admiring the sights, isn't she? She's just stood leering over him. Why am I sensing an affair with I am. Keegan at some point? I'm really not here for it. If that no. happens, if they break up Keegan, I will go crazy. And they referenced nuclear. it. They referenced it a few times as well, didn't they? Yeah. I love that, like, this whole thing with, like, Tiff and, like, Dottie kicks off with, like, they're just having a laugh about card scamming and, and you know, they're all just having a good a good old chuckle about it. I'm like, listen, lots, this is going to come and bite you on the backside at some point. How right I was. <laughs> <laughs> and also, not that I, we didn't get another glimpse of Keegan's sandwich shop. I'm not sure what's happening with it. I, I thought it wasn't going to be a thing anymore because he didn't have a store, but sort of is a thing now, and he's doing it out of the out of a van. Like it's very odd, but I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so it's great. Apparently, he's going to take two two of his sarnies. How flipping greedy are you? <laughs> I mean, like these sandwiches are meaty sandwiches, Emma. Oh, I We've know. all seen that video. We've all seen that video. <laughs> that that's a handful. That's a handful, a mouthful even. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love to put a bit of dirty innuendos in here. Just a little, just a little pinch of it. Not too much. Let's not over-season it. <laughs> Do you want a cigarette in your fairy cake? I, wanna, I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind if it was Keegan putting put a cigarette out in his fairy cake. Everyone knows I've got a thing for Keegan and Jay. They're my two go-tos. Um, <laughs> like, it's not, a, it's not a new thing, guys. If we ever did another fan fiction, I'm sure I would end up with Keegan this time. Um... And, uh, well, Keegan's worried, isn't he? He's worried about this hostessing thing and, and about tips spending so much. And I personally think it's got nothing to do with you, Keegan. As a, you know, as her husband, yes, maybe you take an interest in what's going on in her life. But to come in and be like, I don't like you doing this, it's a little bit odd. I think you don't really have that say on this. On top of hostessing. Due to Tiff accidentally overcharging someone in the club a few weeks ago, Dottie had a great idea. Why don't they start scamming some people who are rich? Overcharge them, they'll never know. They'll be drunk. That money's nothing to them. That's her, um, that's what's going on in her head. Well, one of those people decides that, no, 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 I've saw my bill and I'm not having this. So confronts Tiff, goes and sees Ruby. But Ruby, the businesswoman of the year she is. Oh, yes, I love this. No, I'm really disappointed because you're not giving me a cut in this. So go and get the right people. Give me some of your profits. We're all sorted. You go, girls. I mean, if Ruby gets, you know, caught doing this, would that necessarily impact the case that she had against Stacey and get her out earlier? Because to me, how could you take her witness testimony as truth if she's taking part in a scam, a scam artist like 
gig. Like they're scamming people's credit cards. And then you could definitely link that back to the insurance scam. Yes. I love when Dottie's like, oh, they'll never know. They're too drunk. Dottie, you're probably spending about a thousand pound on champagne and flipping vodka. I highly doubt anyone is going to look at their bill and go, Jesus, uh, I must have drank a lot last night. No, people be like, why the heck did I spend a thousand quid on that? Like, there's no way they're going to fall for that stuff. Then people aren't that stupid. They're going to know. They keep an eye on what they spend. I love it when they go for the wrong people and Ruby's like, I am sick of you two. Do my head in. Okay, but that's your only staff on tonight. So when you send, when you send <laughs> yeah. them away, I'm like... What's a little bit, who's going to run the bar? Who's oh, running the bar? Security. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's never there either. I did love this whole thing, because this whole like story between like... There's like these two dual stories between... <laughs> they're like Tiff and... Um, Tiff and Keegan, isn't there, where they're, they're both trying their look at, like, making a business happen. And obviously Keegan's... Keegan's went an interesting route to this week, didn't they? <laughs> where Tiff decided to help him out with some social media work. However, we never knew that that social media was going to be only fans because, <laughs> yeah, she left it on. Some weird reason, he spills some mayonnaise on himself and then strips himself naked in the kitchen. The leg bit where he's like rubbing the mayonnaise and it was like, like <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one comments on the fact that he's using the same gloves that he's preparing sandwiches for, <laughs> like on his own body. He's like, well, I oh, noticed they have the food um, and hygiene stickers all around the kitchen. And at first, <laughs> when I was watching it, I was like, oh no, if they forgot to take like some of the stuff down for COVID. And now I'm like, oh, right, Keegan now produces food there. That's why they have the stickers on. <laughs> yeah. That's Keegan's restaurant, Emma, even though it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I you just know, love it. I... Leo was found dead at the side of that <laughs> kitchen table. Mm. Always cook where people die. <laughs> Tina always loved a sandwich from a dead person's place. She always loved a sandwich. I mean, I just live. I mean, I'm not complaining because, let's be real, me and Emma would certainly be subscribing to that OnlyFans account. I mean, he was using the mayonnaise a bit like a moisturiser. It was! That's what got me. I was like, what next is he going to season himself? Like, I was like, you're going to start sprinkling a bit of paprika on him. <laughs> well, everyone's obsessed with Keegan at this point. All the women are like four and all for him. He's got like 65 million, 65 million people sending him messages. he's worried about people sending because I love this bit where they're like sat talking about it as well. Her and Tiff aren't there when they're getting that guy who's like seriously drunk to sober up outside the calf they're like chatting about the whole thing and like she's like you want to worry about the ones who start sending a uh, sending requests for his underwear <laughs> fair point i mean it is fair it is fair mind you could make a business could make a business Emma. Like, <laughs> clearly sex sells sex sells doesn't it Emma? we all know that that's the same <laughs> i don't think the meanie's dirty underwear <laughs> <laughs> I just live for the fact that Keegan's sandwich shop is going to go and become like the new, like X-rated Nigella Lawson. Do you know what I mean? Like, is isn't it? Because like he's clearly like be making the sandwiches in the buff. I love when he was like, "Oh, the worst of it is, I didn't even wear boxers that day." Oh my god! Like, he's gonna be the butler and the buff or the naked chef, isn't he? Yeah, he's gonna do chef. that. Yeah. Everyone will love that stuff. Like, just do it very tastefully. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one day you didn't wear underwear. 
<laughs> I mean, what's the chances? What are the chances? You know what I also thought? How that would have drained Tiff's battery on her phone. Yeah. Because like, she was live streaming like, for quite a long time. Imagine if it's just got like everything. It's got like Joy coming and picking her nose and, like, and <laughs> Tiff's like, you know, picking out on all of Keegan's sandwich mix and then like putting it back without telling anyone. Like I would just live for that. I was wondering what else it picked up. I was like, oh my God, her battery life. If that's been live streaming that long, her battery will have died. Keegan's out delivering sandwiches, isn't he? He's giving us sausage special to a few people. This leaves Tiff and Dottie vulnerable. Because they're walking home, they just walk in, forget to lock the door apparently, and um, yeah, they left it open. And why was Keegan delivering sandwiches at that time of night? Very late. That's not it? something I would eat then. I was a bit like, I'm thinking, is this a sandwich delivery or is this bordering it was new kind of business? <laughs> like, because this starts to sound more like a man of the night if you catch me drift. Like, you know. <laughs> Oh, he's delivering sausage, all right, but it's not the kind that's sliced <laughs> in a sandwich. <laughs> and do you know the worst of it is, Emma? After a long night, the worst thing ever. Can't even get a takeaway. Wits not around to order the takeaway. Oh. So do you know what they have to make do with? Leftover pasta. Oh, Tiff should learn off wit. They need a wit ways. That's what they need. They need a wit ways. And also. Live for the fact that that man who they scammed just breaks into their house and then, for some strange reason, seems to think that it's not breaking and entering because no, I was he thinking that <laughs> an unlocked door. No, I think you find that's not forced entry. That doesn't mean you're not trespassing nor breaking in. And also, he's going for these two young girls and not going to Ruby, the person who runs the bar. Yeah, I just think he was a cretinous little creep. He's a horrible human being. But he's knocked to the ground. Bye, Sonia. I love it. It's like the Avengers moment, you know, when like you just hear Cap on your left and then like all of them start coming out. And I think he pauses and it's like, you know, like all the nice music starts playing. That's where it was like, it was like Sonia's just finally arrived. She's got a massive hockey stick <laughs> and a leprechaun hat on and she's going to save the day. Oh, it was wonderful. What an ending to that episode when she turned up and she had her duty-free items on. She hasn't just been to see Bex, it turns out. She's went to Ireland too and saw Dot and got a leprechaun hat. Wonderful. I couldn't have asked for a better ending. <laughs> I want to know if Sonia actually went to Redwater though as well because, I mean, you know, maybe that's how she got there so quickly because she clearly just did Magnus appearing out of nowhere. Duh. Favourite scene of the week Our favourite scene this week has to be Sonia hitting the guy over the head with a hockey (laughs) stick and a leprechaun hat on because not only does she save lives, she fights crime Favourite scene of the week This week's Slapping Dan goes to Grey when he sees Kusha's weakest, or like when he sees Whitney as weak, uh, her weakest, he's immediately over there. Like he's trying to manipulate the situation. He's trying to destroy any happiness that they have. And ultimately, me and I are here to just bring him down. So, you know, you get slapped down from us. And our hero of the week goes to Sonia. She's saving lives, she's fighting crime. She gave us one of the funniest endings to an episode in a long, long time. I loved it. 
I think um, I think the only thing I was missing was like a catchphrase, you know, like she could have just went, top of the morning, to ya. <laughs> <laughs> As Sonia was our hero of the week, we will be rating out with Sonia's. And we're going to rate this week 4.5 Sonia's. It was a good week. There was a lot going on that was funny or entertaining or or like with all the Kush stuff, you didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. I think like everything about this week was excellent. We got to see more of Whitney kind of like showing that she's not quite over all of that trauma of her youth and that she's not quite grown up. That was very important this week. We got to see a lot more depth to that and how she still kind of thinks of life as a bit of a fairy tale. We got to see Kush, like, take the stand and actually, although it was the wrong decision probably in hindsight, he did actually take a stand against, like, what he thought was wrong and an injustice. And also, living for, like, all the other bits, I love Tiff. Dottie and Keegan at the minute, they're like killing it for me. I love their little sandwich shop business. Uh, they're like credit card scam. It's just bringing all these fun like little moments. Like, bro, with Sonia back, man. Bro, with Son. <laughs> oh, we've missed her. Now it's time for Observation Corner. Corner, corner, corner. <laughs> Didn't know how else to really do it, so I just thought, <laughs> no, just, just say corner a lot of times. And love it. <laughs> So this is a new segment where we are going to talk about some observations we've made over the last few weeks, whenever we think of one. I've noticed whenever Bernie meets up with her new love interest who has that dog, it always snows. I want to say I think she's Santa, but I do think it was probably all just filmed on the same day. But it's really funny because (laughs) like it's always when they meet and it's always in between like really sunny takes so it's like she's coming in like she's Santa and I just love it I half expected to see like someone from like you know Game of Thrones like a piano go winter is coming like that you know like at the corner like because it was just so you're right like every time she appears she's like snow follows her she is winter incarnate I love like, it it's so bizarre <laughs> also who goes on a date with that dog napper I'm sorry it's a bit weird <laughs> and my other observation has been so Stacey got arrested and sent down and she got a year now Lily found out via Tommy now what I find odd about Lily finding out over text and at this point this is when Ruby finds out Ruby doesn't know now surely Ruby if this was her case would have found out would know Via her police woman? Yeah, like that woman would have contacted her, even if she's not now involved in the case. Like if it's now just a criminal case and Ruby's no longer involved, which I doubt because I think Ruby's still involved. Yeah. But even if she's not, the policewoman, the DS, would have definitely phoned her up. Have Kat and Stacey come up with a plan and she's actually done done a runner? Who knows? Oh, Oh my God, imagine. Maybe they're in Dubai right now. (laughs) They're waiting for Arthur and Kush. They are. Well, Patty... Like a lot of us, does not like people touching his phone. That's his phone, and he doesn't like people having their hands on it. Do you see how angry he got when Sheree? <laughs> he was like, "You took me phone, Sheree." I was like, "Flip neck pie. Never seen this side of you before." <laughs> My last one is Lola was completely in the right to criticise Kathy for having a go at Bailey for just talking about the news, which was the COVID deaths. <laughs> like, 
It was weird. It was so bizarre. It's like the disease that shall not be named. Why is it such a dirty topic on his center? It was like, we need to cover it. Don't you speak of it. Yeah, it was a, don't you say it out loud. (laughs) And that was this week's Observation Corner. Corner, corner, corner. This week's episode is sponsored by Keegan's Sausage Special. A limited time purchase. You can now own your very own. Keegan's Sausage Special Sandwich. P.S. No, you don't get to buy his underwear. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.